All right, everybody, welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast. It's been a while. It's awesome to be back. We still believe that growing a profitable business is the best way to achieve the lifestyle that you desire. Very special episode today. I'm in the Philippines with the winner of the Tropical MBA, Sean, a valuable member of my uh, team member uh, in, in Ian and I's company, and also a phenomenal blogger and entrepreneur in, in his own right at Location 180. Sean, thanks for joining me in this tropical paradise. That's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> at the scene a little bit, we are on a really beautiful patio at Bad Lads in Mindoro, Philippines. Sean, let us know the story. What's the backstory as to how you ended up here today? So, so basically, it was kind of a last-minute decision to uh, hop on a flight. Literally, it was, uh, I think, 4 in the afternoon, about two, three days ago. I was like, hey, Dan, I'm coming to Manila. I'm afraid for my life here in Bangkok. For those of you that don't know, there's been a, a lot of rioting, a lot of protesting, and everything's kind of come to a head in the last week. And it sounds like over the last 24 hours, things have settled down a little bit, but it was getting to the point where I was unable to be productive in Bangkok. Um, you know, my neighborhood had been literally burnt to the ground all the you know major landmarks near where i was had been uh set up in smoke so so anyway i uh decided to hop on a plane come to manila and uh you know the next morning dan's like hey let's go down to a tropical island so uh how do you turn that down well i think the audience might be really interested to hear about your first impressions of the philippines you know your time spent just looking around the streets your time spent meeting a few filipinos What's it like for the person in their first time they get uh, into this country? The Philippines are, as I see it so far, it's a very interesting country in the sense that, you know, four months ago, five months ago, something like that, I came to Thailand, which was just total culture shock. You know, everything was being done differently. Everyone was speaking a different language. And when I landed in Manila, I kind of felt like I had come back to California. Um, as soon as I walked off the plane, there was taxi drivers that were speaking to me in English. They were answering questions. I was able to communicate clearly with the locals for the first time in you know five months. Um, and that was definitely a little unexpected. Um, most people here uh, speak both English and Tagalog. Would you say that's true? Yes. Um, and so that's been, it's been, you know, you find the people that don't speak English as well, but generally speaking, it's not hard to communicate. And so I think that's been one of the biggest things I've found about the the Philippines is that communication is very easy. People here are very friendly and are more than happy to talk to. So I'm going to walk through Sean. Uh, I have a bunch of questions that actually I'm just curious to hear. It's been a while since we've talked, and I'm going to just I'm going to rack you with questions about uh, you know your productivity and your working and all this stuff. Uh, at the end of the episode, we're going to go over some pretty interesting stuff. Three awesome techniques that we've been using for internet marketing that have been really uh, helping to get, give us some major traction. So definitely stick around to the end of the episode. We'll share with you uh, three new techniques that we're using. Um, but first, uh, the interview portion. Uh, I'm interested, you got an opportunity to sit in the office with the team that you had been working with remotely with yep. for the, the, since January. Uh, what's that experience like to sit down with the web team? Let the audience get a glimpse into this team. What are they like? What are they doing? And how are you working with them? Well, that was one of my, that was one of my biggest motivations. You know, I knew I was leaving Bangkok, had to do it for visa issues, and I said, I'm working with these, you know, four or five people on a daily basis. I'm talking to my team, you know, four or five hours a day. And so if I had the opportunity to meet them, you know, that, that would be great. And so we had just moved into this office, which is really cool because it brings everybody together in a cohesive manner. And we're actually able to get a lot more done because it 
cuts down on a lot of the communication channels. You're not constantly going back and forth via Skype or email or whatever it is. And so it was really cool to come into the office. I got, you know, the three people I talked to most sitting right there, all working together, you know, looking over each other's screens. And that was, that was cool. But one of the things I found is that it was just how cool the guys were. I mean, they were just like, you know, my counterparts and, you know, any other business I'd be in. Um, you know, I immediately started talking to Jay, who's uh, you know one of our lead developers, and you know asking questions about the business, talking about Philippines, we're talking about Bangkok, and one of the cool things about our team, and I think that this this goes for all the people in the Philippines or outsourcing, is if you make them really feel like they're a part of your organization, they're gonna love that. They're gonna get really excited to do whatever they can to you know, help grow the company. And that's, I think, what we've really cultivated is say, hey, if you guys, you know, help us out, you work hard, it's going to be worth your while. And they seem to have really, really gotten on board with that, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, Do you feel like there's, I mean, what's the difference between working in an office in Portland or California versus the office in the Philippines? I mean, do you feel like there's, a lot of people talk about outsourcing, but, you know, I kind of look at it as just my business. It's just my team. Um, do you think everything's possible here? I mean, do you see what I'm angling at? I would go as far to say that anything that's possible back home is possible in the Philippines, if not more so. Because, generally speaking, things are going to be more affordable in the Philippines than they would be in Los Angeles. And so you can come out here, you can get great office space with a great, highly skilled team, and you can make things happen. You don't have the communication barriers that you have in other foreign countries, mm-hmm. and you're really able to set up a sustainable business here, a sustainable global business, uh, which is a really exciting thing. And I think that over the next couple of years, you're going to start seeing larger businesses trend towards that. So as part uh, as you know, you work on my team, you have no real uh, schedule, you have no required hours to work, you've got tons of projects that are outside of... The- our company, how do you stay productive given that you could, you can go to a bar every night of the week and at, from some of your blog posts, it looks like you do go to the <laughs> bar every night of the week. So how do you get stuff done? You know, that's been, that's been one of my biggest struggles since I got out here is, you know, before, you know, I had a corporate job. I was, you know, up at 630 every single day. And I think one of the most important things that I kind of realized is that sometimes you have to pretend like you don't have a flexible schedule. So to say, you know what, I'm going to be up at this time, setting meetings with my team, say, hey guys, I'm going to be on Skype at 9 o'clock, let's chat. And I think that really, you know, setting a definitive schedule really is one of the key things that allows me to be as productive as I am. Right. Um, and it's something I still co- struggle with on a fairly constant basis. And so, you know, scheduling is important, but also, you know, understanding how I work. You know, the office thing on a day-to-day basis didn't work for me because I would work from 7.30 in the morning to 5 or 5.30 at night, and I would have to sit there and focus only on those one things, right? only on the things I'm doing for work. Whereas I'm most successful if I wake up in the morning, I do a couple hours of work, maybe I go for a run or go work on some other personal projects, I come back to my work, and, you know, that's that's really what worked out well for me. Right. So... What have been the biggest challenges for you in adjusting to this avant-garde career path? I mean, a couple months ago we talked on this program and, you know, you said there's a lot of uncertainty in your life and that's been injected. Now, you know, we've gone, we're a couple months further down, down the line. 
Do you still feel like you made a good decision? Do you feel like things are going to work out for the better, having done something, you know, like you walked away from a really good career that you could have made a lot of money doing? You know, there's something that's always stuck in my mind, and this is one of the things you told me when we first met. When I think we were doing the interview process. You said a few years ago you quit your job to explore this lifestyle. You gave up a lot of money to do something very different, very against the grain, and you said every single morning you wake up and it's no less cool than it was the day before you really appreciate it. And that's one of the things I've come to appreciate is, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, two days ago I was in Bangkok. Right now I'm on a tropical island in the Philippines. I mean, next week I could be in Barcelona. I mean, who knows? And it's that flexibility that is, it's something that I've decided to model my life after. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I'm working really hard to make sure that, that it stays that way. And, you know, the thought of going back to a regular job and sitting, you know, in a nine to five, you know, corporate environment, that's just really tough. And so I think one way or another, you know, this was this was absolutely the right choice to make. And I think that more people are going to be pursuing that as they realize that it's possible and they realize the benefits that could come from it. You know, today's Saturday and we both we went, we had a great night out on the town last night, woke up this morning, had a nice breakfast. We did we did some work. Uh and now we're doing a podcast and it's, and you know, we, it's not like this is a big grind. We just did a little work, made sure things are moving along, tried to make some sales and it's the flexibility. Like yesterday on Friday, we didn't work because we were traveling and you know, that's so much fun. It's cool. It's like weekends. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's give and take because you know, I don't have the advantage of being able to get off work at five in the afternoon or five in the evening and, uh, be done with it. You know, it's always on my mind. Seven days a week, I'm always thinking about what could I be working on? What should I be working on? And if you don't schedule and balance your time well, then that could really start to drain on you. That becomes stressful because you you always feel like there's there's something that you should be doing. And so I was just talking to uh, Dan earlier today, and I said one of the key things that I'm, I try and do is I say, you know what, here's my to-do list for the day. I've got five, six items that have to get done. Um, and then once I'm done with those things, I don't add anything to it. I say, that's it. I'm done working for the day, and I'm going to go work on other projects. I'm going to you know, go have a beer. I'm going to go sit by the pool, whatever it is, because that enables me to balance the work-life um, you know, atmosphere, which is essential in this kind of business. You're almost done with the first semester of the Tropical MBA, I mean, the way we laid it out. Um, what kinds of things do you think the Tropical MBA could, could be in the future? And... What are some of the things that it's brought to you? I mean, what, what's your, I guess, how do you think about the Tropical MBA in retrospect or now that we're rounding things Tropical down? Tropical MBA sucks. I mean, you guys <laughs> don't even listen to that. No, I'm completely kidding. <laughs> Tropical MBA, honestly, when I'm I first... I'm loving you softball question. What do you think, what do you think of me, Sean? No, make it good. <laughs> <laughs> when I first started, I had no idea. I, I think I wrote on a blog post that I was like, I'm hopping on a flight to uh, Thailand to go meet some guy that sent me an email and said he... I should move to Thailand. For all I know, he was an axe murderer, and he was going to take all my money and leave me out in the middle of the ocean somewhere. But uh, no, it really has turned out to be the best thing that has ever happened to me, I think. Um, it's enabled me to live the lifestyle I've wanted while learning all the skills that I felt like I never had the time to learn. Yeah. And so to be able to come out here and have meaningful projects, come in at a very high level of a successful company, and you know add more value and learn from a couple guys that... you know been doing this for a while and really know what they're talking about i mean you can't beat that and i think that the potential for the tropical mba in the future is is huge because of that
You know, it's interesting. It worked out a little differently than I thought. I had an idealistic way of thinking about it. I was like, well, I'll teach this person. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that I didn't teach you anything. <laughs> uh, you know, there was no tutorials. There was no lessons. I never, we never even sat down and walked through our AdWords program together like we've been saying we're going to do. <laughs> I think what we had was, from Ian and I's side, is we knew what we wanted to accomplish. Yeah. And what the Tropical MBA effectively ended up being was an opportunity to participate in that. Yep. And so you kind of carved out your own role and a, your own way to contribute and, you know, leveraged us in terms of like when you needed a bit of advice or something. But basically you taught yourself this stuff. Well, that was, I mean, I think that was one of the coolest things. The best way to learn is by getting in there and doing it. Yeah. And you, you had said from the beginning, you're going to get out here and you're going to see some of the weaknesses of the company and you're going to know exactly what you need to do to improve upon that. And so I kind of took that mentality and said, all right, I'm going to come out here. You know, here's, you know, one of our biggest issues, you know, communication's a big issue. So how do I make communication between our team and between people that we have all over the world? How do we make that fluid so that everyone's got the information and it's not a burden on the company? And so I kind of came in, I said, I'm going to do everything I can to communicate with everybody on a day-to-day basis. So everyone knows what their priorities are. And, you know, they're able to get stuff done. No one's left wondering. It's like, well, what should I be working on? And it's still, I mean, it's a constant battle. I think we're, yeah. we're still struggling with some of those issues. But by, uh, you know, kind of coming in and making a role for myself and saying, you know, these are the areas where I can really add the most value, you gave me free reign to do that. And whereas you might not have sat down and gave me a tutorial, you did something that was, you know, arguably even more beneficial by just allowing me to you know make mistakes at times giving me support when i needed it and just being there to help with you know whatever i was trying to accomplish well you've been in maduro now for a couple days and i'm kind of curious um this tropical semester tropical mba semester two is so different from the first one Mm -hmm. and i'm curious to see what do you think of it? I mean, what would you think of the second semester opportunity for anybody uh, who hasn't seen the Tropical MBA semester two? It's a little different in that essentially it's not about having a role in the company that Sean and I are building together. It's about um, helping me out on the side with some blogs and basically living in a small hotel in Tropical Island for free and getting free food and getting free Wi-Fi. And, you know, Sean and I worked out here on the patio all day. It's a really nice experience. You know, you can probably hear the breeze in my uh, microphone and the yachts bobbing around in the harbor. It's gorgeous, yeah? Yeah, I hope you can add some some of these photos we've taken just to your podcast so people can see uh, exactly what we're looking at right now because it's, it's beautiful. You know, it's a lot different opportunity, and I'm a little nervous about that because the first one ended up working so well. But, you know, we're really focused on hiring in the Philippines right now, and, and you're doing such a good job that I think you're just going to stick around. So <laughs> what uh, what do you think about this second second semester? What do you think about the opportunity, and, and would you like it, and would who is going to like this thing? You know, it is. It's a very different opportunity, and for the right person, this is a dream job because what you're essentially doing is you're removing all the crap that's associated with life and saying – here's your time. You work two, three hours a day for me and you can do whatever, whatever else you want. You know, you come out here, you don't have to worry about rent. You don't have to worry about food. You don't have to worry about utilities. You're just here with as few of expenses, you know, as you can pretty much get. (laughs) And so that is going to be for the right person, an awesome opportunity. Yes, it's a very remote place. So, you know, I know you offered a, there's going to be an offer for a condo in Manila for one week out of the, the month. And you actually got an opportunity to see where that condo is too, yeah? It's it's in a pretty cool location. So, 
you know, it really, for someone to be able to come here, you know, really get work done, because, I mean, let's be honest, unless you're a scuba diver or, you know, maybe a kayaker or whatever you want to do, I mean, there's not a whole lot to, to do here. Um, and so for the right person that's got some projects, you know, maybe you're writing a novel or something, this is the perfect place to do it. Um, but to be able to escape and go to Manila for, you know, a few days out of every month, I think is going to help maintain whoever gets over here, maintain their sanity. But it's just, it's really going to have to be a specific type of person looking for a specific type of thing. And I think for that person, it is going to be the opportunity of a lifetime. Interesting. What, you know, so you've been out in the entrepreneurial thicket now for six months. What are some things that you could offer to our audience the beginners in the audience, to help them not stumble where you stumbled, to help them accelerate where you were in neutral? You know, what are some things that you can, hacks that you can offer our audience to get them moving faster in their progress? You know, it's really interesting because I've, I've been reflecting over the last couple weeks um, just about how much I've learned over the last year. And it's a lot. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. and There's a lot of things I wish I had done differently, but in the end, I came out knowing more than I ever expected to about how to create a unique lifestyle and how to go after the things that you really want to do. Um, I'm even writing a book about it. Um, it's not quite titled, um, but I've got you know close to like 30,000 words, which is really all about helping you figure out how to make a career change. Um, you know, you want to make changes in your lifestyle. Maybe you want to free up more time. Maybe you want to start a business. How do you overcome the fear of uncertainty that's inevitably going through your head and actually take actionable steps to make it happen? And so I think the best thing I can do or the best advice I would give is to break down all of your fears around making a change into a logical way where you can make actionable small steps. Right. And so I talk a lot about how to do that in my book. Um, there's gonna be a lot of interviews with some really, really successful people that have made huge transitions from large companies with six-figure salaries into their own businesses, um, and I'm I'm really excited about the prospects for it. Awesome. Um, a lot of people, you know, that's part of our audience, but a part of our audience is established entrepreneurs. I find that a lot of people that contact me are running much bigger businesses than we're involved in, uh, multi-million-dollar businesses. Um, You've worked with you know Ian and I and given us some just killer feedback about our business and how we can improve as entrepreneurs. And you're kind of like this new generation of the young guns who, like, you guys know this Internet stuff down cold. And uh, you can provide tons of value to, to establish businesses. So what are some kinds of things that you can offer to entrepreneurs, the advice that you can give to our established audience about how they can recruit better people, retain them, get more out of them? What are some things that are working for you? I think there's... We're seeing a general shift in the way business happens. You've got the old school. You've got people that are 50, 60 years old. They've been running their business for 20, 30 years with a lot of success. And with the advent of the Internet and with a whole new generation that's used to doing things in a different way, maybe a more technological way, there's going to be the companies that are going to resist that and are going to really struggle to increase their business and make that shift. And there's going to be people that are going to embrace it and they're going to see their business take off by adapting to the times. And I think the, the biggest way that businesses can leverage this new opportunity is in their hiring. You know, you can go out, you know, maybe the traditional tactic is you want to bring on a, a new marketing campaign or something. So you'd hire an established marketer, some guy that's been in the business for 30 years that does things, you know, his way. Well, the way things are going, he may or may not have adapted to the market. And so you could bring in someone that's 30 
or 25 or even right out of school that's been doing things so differently and has all these new ideas of the way the market currently is working um, and cultivate that talent into something huge. And I think that's what it's all about is cultivating people that are ambitious and want to work. And you know, that's, I think that's the new school. I think that's what you need to do is you need to bring on people that have a great work ethic, that are smart and look at things in the perspective of how they currently stand, not how they stood 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Something that I'm learning and I think is an important lesson for me that I'm learning from you and just by, we've had so many struggles in our business this month and it really makes you look hard at how you can improve and become a better entrepreneur. And for me, it's all about, you know, listening to your employees and responding, like taking action about what they're saying. And if you're not going to take action, get out of their way, you know? So like, don't ask for their advice and then say like, thanks a lot. And then not do anything about it. If, if they got an idea about how to take the company to the next level, either you enable it or you get the heck out of the way. Otherwise you're going to frustrate people. And I see a lot of that happening. So it's something that you've helped me, uh, to see when you've got a lot of horsepower on your team, you know, don't bog it down, like let it run. It's the kind of thing where one of the things that Ian originally mentioned to me when we first started is he's like, you know what, in this business, it's much more important to beg for forgiveness than to ask permission. And that's the mentality I've taken. I say, if I see an opportunity for the business to go forward and you know make a big move, I go for it. And you know, generally things have worked out pretty well. I haven't screwed anything up too much so far, but I think it's it's all about enabling your employees to feel like they're a part of, you know, everything you're doing. And if they feel ownership in the company and you give them the freedom to, you know, act in the company's best interest, I mean, sure, there's got to be oversight and whatnot, but I mean, just making them feel like they can actually make a change in the company. When people don't feel like they can make a change, that's when they get frustrated. Let's talk about some of these, let's, uh, turn gears. I want to talk about some of the things specifically that you're doing every day. That's actually really been helping our company out. So I want to share three internet marketing tools and techniques that uh, Sean and myself have been working together on. And mostly I've just been watching Sean's great results come through uh, and, and giggling to myself. But uh, I think that this could potentially provide a lot of value for people trying to market their websites. So uh, we've been hustling, trying to make sales. And there's three techniques. The first one that uh, you've been doing is something that's pretty old school and it's something that's really easy to forget about because it's easy for internet marketers to focus on magnetism and passivity. Everybody's like passive income, passive this, throw spaghetti against the wall and come back in eight weeks and see if it's got traction and all this stuff. But you've been out there hustling. Tell us what you've been doing. So one of the key things we keep talking about is, you know, when we first started this business, before I was even a part of it, it was like, how how'd you guys make sales? How did you build your business? And he said, you know what we did? We cold called. We got on the phone and we talked to people. We told them what we were doing. And all the web stuff, all the, you know, web marketing, you know, that's awesome. That's, you know, we've had a lot of success with that as well. But sometimes you just got to hustle. You got to get in there and say, you know what? I'm going to find the people that I want to talk to and I'm going to find the people that I know I can benefit whatever they're doing and just get in touch with them. And so I've been going through and, you know, really kind of figuring out what's the best way to do it. I, uh, you know, you can use tools like, you know, generally large companies, they have the same email conventions. So, you know, it'd be, you know, sean.ogle at, you know, xcompany.com. And so if you can figure out what that email convention is, then, you know, you're golden because, you know, all these companies, they've got, you know, say, uh, I don't know, I can't think of a good example, but, um, 
you know, you you target the uh, the main job titles you want. You do a search on the internet. There's companies that are provided that you will give you a list of all sorts of different people. What are some of those companies, by the way, just real quick? What's that? What are some of those companies that you're using? Uh, you go to jigsaw.com, for instance, which is all about B2B contacts. And so you go in, you enter in, um, you know, somebody's name or, you know, a title. Say you're looking for the general manager of a hotel. So you say general manager Hilton, boom, all pups, 200 people that are general managers of various Hiltons across the, the country. And so, you know, you have to pay and there's some ways to, you know, um, work around it, but you generally have to pay to get the contact information, but you've got the name and the title. And so if you're a hustler and if you're ambitious, you can figure out what those naming conventions are for their company. You can do some Google searches and you can find the people that you need to be talking to. And that's actually worked out really well for us. And you can essentially scale this process as well by developing a protocol. That's And that's what we've done. We developed a protocol. We said, this is exactly how you need to do it. You give it to someone in you know the Philippines that you know can spend eight hours on it and boom, you've got a list of highly targeted 200 people that you know are looking for your services. I think the important thing as we follow up on this is making sure that when you contact those people that you're supplying them with more value than you're asking to take away from them. So you offer them some kind of free piece of information that can help them with their business or their decision making or whatever, something that is going to entertain, delight, or be a value to them. Right. I mean, it really comes down to the point, you know, there's a fine line between marketing and spamming, and you don't want to be that spammer. You don't want to be the one making people mad and, you know, giving them unnecessary results. So, you know, generally I'll, I'll send one, you know, very, you know, short email just saying, I thought you'd be interested in this. If I don't hear back from them, I won't bother them again. But a lot of people, you know, kind of say, hey, you know, this is right up my alley. If they, you know, say, you know, forget about you. I don't want to hear from you anymore. That's, that's totally cool. It's all about being respectful of the person as well. But, um, you know, I think that so cool to talk about a hustling tool. There's no tool. There's no shortcut. This is, Hey, us internet marketers woke up one morning and decided, realized that we were forgetting to hustle. We were spending too much time in ads and SEO. And it's so easy to get bogged down in those details, but it all comes down to the fact you got to get in touch with the right people and you got to make money. And so what's the best, historically most effective way to do that. And that's that's getting in touch with the right people. It's hustling. Absolutely. The second one I'm really curious about because about when I started hiring myself out of, I used to be doing the, this brick and mortar, block and tackling SEO stuff every single day. But then I, I built a team and I had a major pain point, which was tracking keyword research. And I got a great tip from Sterling at Internet Business Mastery, and he said, Dan, you need to go out and buy Market Samurai. And so I said, okay. So I went and spent 100 bucks or whatever it costs to get Market Samurai, and I gave it to the guy who does my SEO. And I said, do this. And he loves this program. And so when you started working with us, I said, hey, Sean, take my license of Market Samurai. And what I'd like is teach me a little bit about how that helps you do your job and what kind of people could benefit from the software. You know, when I first got involved in the internet, when I started my blog last May, you know, I didn't even know what SEO was. I had a, a guy that lived in my building a couple of years ago and he says, I do search engine optimization. I try and make people rank high, higher on Google. I was like, I had no idea this was even an industry. And so, you know, over the months I learned more and more about it, but it was, wasn't until I, I got my hands on Market Samurai that I really felt like I could come up with some compelling results and really make some traction. And so essentially what it enables you to do is you say, say I'm in the market for, um, 
wooden chairs. <laughs> just looking around what's close to me. Say you're looking for wooden chairs and you're trying to, you know, you've got a website, you're trying to figure out how to market it. Maybe you're trying to figure out if that's an industry you should get into. And so what Market Samurai does is it'll give you this huge list of all sorts of related key terms. It'll give you all the traffic results around it. You can see you know, how many people are searching for that a month. You know, it'll give you, you know, how many results come up when you search for that. It'll give you, you know, competition results. And so it really allows you to take a very, very broad spectrum of key terms, put in your specific parameters that you've defined as what would make for a marketable, um, a successful key term, and break down your list of 200 down into maybe five or ten. Right. Um, and it, it just allows you to do that in a very systematic, methodical way. And so I can spend one hour doing, you know, keyword research on wood chairs and by the time I'm done I know I'm going to have five solid keywords that I can then point my marketing towards I can point my my article directories my article marketing my you know AdWords whatever it is I can go after those terms and you know generally speaking in a couple months I know that I'm going to see the results in the search engines that I would want because I, I did that research. I knew that it wasn't too competitive and I would be able to uh, to make something. If there's one on that point is there is is there one killer feature, one killer piece of information that you get from Market Samurai that people that don't have that your competition does not get? I think one of the biggest things that I find helpful is it will put a dollar value on every single key term. It'll say the number one result for wood chairs is worth this much money. And so if you, you know, have a website, you're selling wood chairs and, you know, let's say it's a thousand dollars, you know that, you know, Every day, or you know, every month, or whatever it is, you have the potential to be making a thousand dollars. And I, I'm assuming that they they calculate that based on the CPM of the top ad rank. Yeah, they've got a whole kind of algorithm, and so I mean, you have to take it all with a grain of salt. Um, but it just more than anything, rather than specifics, it gives you a jumping off point. It's so like, essentially, you want to find markets with high valuation and low competition. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Very interesting. One more uh, thing that you've been doing to help us grow the business is you've been doing block and tackling article marketing, like old school article marketing. And, you know, this is still important. Article marketing is still important. And the reason is that you have to have a critical mass of backlinks and article marketing is a great way to get backlinks. You use a technique called spinning. Can you describe like how that helps you market the websites and why would you even, what is spinning and why do you do it? Okay. Well, first off, I mean, one of the biggest things about article marketing is it's, there's at least some credibility. So many people go into like link farms and link directories and that's, it's just not a good way to build your business. And so by article marketing, you're, you're able to at least establish a little bit of credibility on the subject from credible sites. And so, you know, one of the things that spinning allows you to do is you can write one article and then you can, you know, put it through a program or do it manually or whatever. You can spin the same general information into say 10 different articles. And so then you can submit each of those articles to a different article directory as a different article because most article directories, they say you can't submit the same article you've submit, submitted somewhere else. And so you know, what it really allows me to do is take the same information but present it in different ways. And so one person can read this article, they might connect with something, but then if you spin it in a different way, they might connect with this. And so you know, for all of those to kind of come up and people to you know, understand and establish yourself as an expert in the field, and that's one benefit, but then, you know, you've got the, the backlinks which are building up, which are going to help your Google results. You've got a link to your page, and so we've seen direct sales from articles on easing. Someone sees, you know, an article that I wrote about our, our business, and they click on that, they come to our site, and boom, sale. 
So it's it just it's really multifaceted in the ways that they can benefit. It's kind of like mini syndication. Like it's a way to leverage the hard work that you put into writing a great resource. Say, look, you know, if I modify this slightly, it can be a resource for ten different sites. And then, of course, you're doing the broad syndication as well. You're probably going to make a Squidoo lens. You're probably going to go and make a press release about the information press there. Press releases, blog posts. I mean, you're taking the information and you're putting it in as many different mediums as possible to make sure that the people you want to see it are seeing it. Right. You're making sure that the the search engines that you're wanting to recognize what you're doing recognize it. Right. And by uh, you know putting that out there in as many different platforms as you can, I mean that's that's the most successful way I've done. For example, with the podcast, and I'm hoping that people make it easier to do this in the future. We could easily you know put up a picture that says our logo on it, the Lifestyle Business Podcast, and then put up a YouTube video with this audio. So that's a, a way to syndicate your content, leverage your content, the hard work that you've done to as many channels as you can. So spinning at its core is a way to do that with these, these article directories that end up being pretty important to our business. All right, so thanks a lot. Sean, uh, it's actually, uh, you know, you're not really put, put out too much right now, i got to be honest. <laughs> you know, my life does not suck right now. And I can tell whoever the Tropical MBA candidate is, you are going to come out here and you are going to be able to create a very nice lifestyle for yourself. You're going to be able to build a business. You'll be able to write books. You'll be able to do whatever it is you want to do because you're going to have your time back and you are going to have some beautiful, beautiful scenery to look at while you're doing it. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, let's, let's go have a good time. Let's do that. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything 